Hi, this is Becky. And Patricia. We are former college teammates and believe that life is a team sport. Our goal is to encourage and inspire strong women, families, and communities using lessons learned from sport. Welcome to the team room. All right. Well, good morning. This is Patricia and Becky, and we're actually together today, which is very fun. Uh, I'm up here on vacation. I come to her house to go to vacation Yeah, every, every summer. Yeah, and it's a staycation for us. So yes. we get to uh, go to the boardwalk and go to the beach like normal, but it's fun. Right, so. exactly. Well, today we have a guest on here. Jolie Payton is a friend of mine. She and I work together with FCA, and she is the director for FCA for the city of Washington, D.C., So she's got quite a few colleges and a whole bunch of high schools and middle schools and all kinds of great ministry going on there. So welcome to the show, Jolie. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're really excited to have you. So do you have a vacation spot? Because like this is mine, right? I go to New Jersey every summer. You know, I grew up in Illinois and everyone would always ask where we went to the beach and we did it. That was not a thing. There are not beaches in Illinois. So we were sporadic, you know, vacation family, but my parents live in Asheville, North Carolina now. So whenever I visit them, I'm essentially on vacation. Love it. That's perfect. Yeah, Joey, I'm like you because I grew up landlocked in Idaho. So we went to the river. It's like we went to the river or maybe a lake, but we didn't go to the beach either. It was like 10 hours away, I think, you know, like. Nope. Yes. Yeah. I know. I think Kevin's family would go to Michigan to like, the you great know, lakes. lakes. Yeah. To the, right? great, to the Great Lakes. Because yeah. they have the equivalent of the beach. That's awesome. <laughs> well, this morning we are going to continue diving into our Once an Athlete series. And we started that a few weeks ago. Last week we had Tiffany on the show and we talked about leadership and what that means to be a leader and lessons she had learned from sport. It's all based on a study we read that came out in 2017 by CNBC, where um, Ernst & Young had interviewed a whole bunch of different female leaders and discovered 90% of them had played sports in their past. And we thought that was really interesting. And so we wanted to interview some female leaders and find out about their experience with sport and maybe why that is. What about playing sports Mm -hmm. helps us grow as leaders as adults? So with that, we will get to that whole interview. But before we get started, Jolie, we want to hear something from your highlight reel. Yes. So something that I am loving right now, it's funny to think through, man, what, what am I, what am I into right now? But I think my, my Dyson vacuum has been the thing lately (laughs) and I think it's because I'm not scared of messes when I have a Dyson, like I will spill on my floor and it's okay. I just vacuum it up, you know, That's so awesome. bring it out to the car. So I've been, I've been blessed by my Dyson lately. <laughs> That's so funny. I love that. As adults, it's funny the things we get excited about. Yeah. <laughs> we have a, we have a pet Dyson. So I hear you when we got that nine years ago, I was like, yes, because it, it works. So I'm like, right. yeah, whatever dog, do what you want to do. We, we got you. <laughs> I know. I feel like that's a life lesson in itself is like, I'm not scared of messes when I got a Dyson. I think I should be on a commercial. I totally be on a commercial. This is not sponsored, but it could be. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. 
Well, tell us a little bit about your background, including any background with sports. Yeah. So like I said, I grew up in Illinois and didn't even know sports like lacrosse and field hockey existed until I moved to the East Coast. So Mm -hmm. I was a basketball girl, played some soccer, a little bit of softball, very sports oriented family from a young age. Um, but moving into middle school, high school, and then college cross country and track were my primary sports. And so, um, you know, went to school in Virginia. And so is Illinois born and raised and started running track, um, in the sixth grade. And so I was a full-time basketballer. My mom would only let us play one sport at a time. That was a rule in our house. And so, which taught me something in of itself, but, um, played basketball in the fall and then would run track in the spring and then realized that I was way better at track and there, it wasn't normal to like want to run laps to warm up and be excited about that before basketball practice. And so I think people were like, Jolie, I think maybe you should just run. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what I did, but I have a, I have a younger brother who also has been in the track world. He's a shot put and discus guy, so not a runner. Um, but we're a sports family. Yeah, that's really cool. It is interesting because most kids are not excited about the running portion of the practice. Have you seen those shirts that say like, my sport is your sports conditioning or something along those lines? Yeah. What about track captured your imagination? Like, why do you think you really love that? Yeah, it's a great question. I I started running and I I mean, like any sixth grader, you put them in shorter events, right? You don't put a sixth grader in the mile or the two mile. And so I was running sprints and doing things. And then one of my coaches put me in a mile run, like at an invitation on the weekend, a sixth grade, like the eighth grade girls mile. And I remember freaking out, like, McD, you can't do that to me. I've never even run a mile. And he was just like, trust me, you know? So I did, and I did well. And I think from there, I, I mean, I became a distance kid after that. And so um, initially it's because I was good at it. Right. And I think the community that is oriented around the cross country and track community is just really special. Um, it's one of the few co-ed sports that you get to train with guys and girls. And, um, and really I had an incredible coach. Coach McDonald still is the best coach that I've probably ever had. Um, and so he just saw stuff in me that I probably did not see in myself and made me a really good athlete. Wow. That's really cool. Well, you know, a coach can make or break our, our confidence, right. Our experience, the whole, the whole thing. Right. And we talk about that all the time about the importance of coaching. Yeah. That's really cool. So how did you end up at Eastern Mennonite in college? (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm not Mennonite. If you don't know what Mennonites are, you can Google it. I will not do an education lesson now. But when I was uh, the summer before my junior year of high school, I actually Googled Christian running camp and this camp at Montreat College outside of Asheville, North Carolina popped up and I applied um, for a scholarship to go and got it. And my parents put me on a plane to North Carolina as a high schooler. And I, I was at this running camp for a week and what do you do at running camp? You run, but we, you know, would have chapel in the mornings and in the evenings and just was around incredible community again. And it was there that I met who would be my, my collegiate coach. So, um, you know, he started recruiting me, we just built relationship. And so I, I went back to that camp through college. So about six summers in a row, I was at that camp. 
Um, and some of my best friends, you know, came out of there and we would, we brought the team to from EMU, you know, as a college student. So I started going as a high schooler and then that's kind of my, my path to Virginia had no, I'd never been to Virginia before that. Um, and was not really interested in EMU, but I will, I will say, um, a unique part of Eastern Mennonite is that it's required that you study abroad for a semester. So as someone that was coming in as a year round athlete, I knew that anywhere else that would not be possible, but there the expectation was you leave for a semester. And so that's, that's what I did my sophomore year. I spent a semester in the Middle East. Oh, where at? Wow. Yeah, we were in Egypt, Jordan, Israel, Palestine, Turkey, Greece, and Italy for four months. So that's amazing. Um, so you did your college semester, like the classes you needed while you were traveling? Oh, wow. So part of the curriculum was that you just left. Like there was 28 students from EMU that were just together for the semester. And so it was just this traveling sort of class that we had with two so professors. Awesome. And so we weren't at a specific university, but we hiked Mount Sinai. You know, we're learning about the conflict that exists in the Middle East. We're learning about the biblical geography and history. And yeah, completely life-changing. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So what did you major in? So I was a business and recreation double major. Sounds cool. Okay. All right. I can kind of see how you're putting that into practice now, but are you doing what you thought you would do when you were deciding to major in that in college? So I always said, I want to do camps and conferences. That was kind of like my line. Like I want to do camps and conferences. I want to do camps. So in in some ways, yes. Like I do a lot of camps and, and conferences to some extent now, I do not think, I think that's like this much of the, of the pie, right? Very small amount compared to the totality of what I'm doing now. Um, but definitely can see how that equipped me even in mindset and just like internship. I interned with FCA when I was in college a few times. So I should have seen the writing on the walls, but I was in denial for a while. I was wondering, Jolie, how you got from FCA to FCA, because you're quite young and, and leading in FCA, very much so leading in FCA, as you'll explain maybe here in a minute or two. But um, did you do anything after college before FCA? I did. I had about a year and a half that I worked with an organization called Back on My Feet. So they use running as a tool to combat homelessness. So again, this, this threat of running, but I would go into transitional facilities and homeless shelters and recruit people to run at 5.45 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. And that was in Washington. So I moved um, to D.C. soon after I graduated and had interned with them previously. And so um, was in the world of social services and was essentially a social worker for that time. And then we would help with employment, housing, and education resources. And so that was that was kind of my, my on-ramp to deciding that FCA would be my next step. So if you say you were an intern, I probably should know this, but maybe for listeners who don't know, when you were interning for the year and a half, were you paid at all or was there? I interned for them and then I did work for them. So I interned the summer before my senior year. That was my first glimpse of Washington and then went back, did my senior year and then moved back to, and then was a full-time, yeah, paid member service manager. Yep. Just wondering as, as, uh, young adults are, are transitioning into the workforce, like what that looks like for them, because it is a different world with jobs now, and it's a different world with what you want to do. And, and, yeah. you know, you moved from one to another and did, you know, didn't stay in that realm for long. And that's okay. That's America. You can switch, switch jobs and, right. you know, move. Right. 
and learned, learned a lot, especially in your first job. I think there's this tension of, I need to have endurance. I need to stay, but then there's also like a lot of searching and discerning of what, what really am I gifted in? What am I excited about? And is there longevity to keep doing this? And that was kind of the crossroads that I hit was, okay, I think this is, this is a pivot for me at this point. Mm-hmm. Good yeah. word. Pivot. Yeah. Well, you stayed in the city. I did. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So what attributes of being an athlete do you think have been built into you that allow you to be successful now? Yeah, I love this question. I think primarily when I when I think about it, it's this this idea of responsiveness. Like it's the ever-changing having to whether it's good or bad, like respond to a situation, like when you're hurt, you have to go into this like step-by-step sort of process of like, okay, what do I need to do? How do I fix this? And sometimes it can be unhealthy if we're overcorrecting and trying to fix everything. But when it's done well, it's like this step-by-step discerning of, okay, I'm looking at this situation. Now, how do I respond accordingly? And I think even now in my job, when I look at, I lay out all the factors, you know, in, in cross country, we'd say, okay, this is the race that's coming up. This is how we have to train with the idea of training and knowing that we have to prepare enough, but also kind of just throw things to the wind and say like, we have to just do it sometimes. Like we can only be in control of so many things and we just have to full send as the, as the Gen Zers say these days, but just, just do it sometimes. Wait, what was that? What was that phrase I need to learn? Full send. Do you know that one, Becky? No, full send. I got to learn all these, Jolie. Full send? Yeah, that's that's my most recent learn was um, sometimes you just got to just gotta do it. You just got to go for it. Full send. Yeah. There's no more like all out. Just do it. You know, it's full send. No, okay. okay. I like it. Full send. Wait till I hit my middle schoolers up with all these cool words this fall. They're going to be like, where did she learn that? Someone texted me earlier today and they said that the first chapter was fire. We were yeah. doing this devotional book. It's one of my athletes. Anyway, I said that to her and she's like, what? <laughs> like, was it about fire? Cause like, <laughs> no. Yeah. So we're learning the words. That's I love awesome. what you just said about how you re- respond to it because we had a mini injury last night with my son. He rolled his ankle running around the neighborhood and then had soccer practice. So I'm going to use that because it's really neat how you said it's how we respond to things. So you use it in your adult life in your work, but you learned it from sports. Now, I'm guessing maybe you were injured. Did you have some injuries along the way or? You know, I think it's as a runner, you're, you feel perpetually injured because you're tired all the time. Right. And so it's this discerning of like, what is, I mean, even, I mean, all people do this, what is good soreness and what is bad soreness and what are things that I can push through and it's healthy to push through and what are things that I actually need to rest in? So, I mean, even right now I'm training for a marathon in October And I, the top of my foot was really hurting last week and I was freaking out. I'm like, I need to get in these training runs. And so I'm praying about it. I'm like Googling, I'm asking my athletic training friends. And so I just took a hard week off, but it's so hard to even think of like the long-term gain over the short-term because in the short, I'm like, I'm just losing a week of training. 
But if it's a matter of me finishing out another three months of training, a week now is worth it. Mm-hmm. And so even thinking about that short-term gain versus long-term gain, that's that I think is like the responsiveness, right? To say, I'm willing to wait and rest right now for yeah. the sake of like long-term, like just the longevity of being able to continue to do what I want to do. And so I think that was my, my tension all, you know, specifically high school and college. Okay, can I push through this one or is this a... Hey, we got to bench myself for a couple of days, um, get on the bike and mentally it stinks, but it's going to be worth it in a week from now. Yeah. We had a guest on a while back, um, Carrie Loggis, and she said that one thing she talks mm-hmm. to her kids about a lot is, are you hurt or are you injured? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. you can be hurting yeah. and you're sore, or you might've tweaked something, or are you actually injured and helping, especially kids, helping them discern that Mm -hmm. is difficult. It's hard for kids to explain what's going on. Mm -hmm. They just know that it hurts hurts. (laughs) and, and helping distinguish the difference is important as we grow into adulthood, right? Because if we don't learn to distinguish it as Mm -hmm. kids, when we get to be adults and we're like, Oh, all is lost. Yeah. Yeah. It's maturity and emotional maturity to kind of work through what is really happening. But I like how you apply that to real life, to like our, your profession and, and jobs. Cause, and that's why we're doing this podcast because it's, we did learn a lot through sports that we don't even realize, but that's, what's made us great in our professions. So, yeah. Well, and it's perspective, right. Allowing you to be able to take a step back mm-hmm. and have some, a different perspective. So a, a friend of mine just recently got a new job and Um, I was talking to her about it and I said, you know, don't be afraid to step out of the weeds and, and just take a look at the situation. Cause a lot of times, Mm -hmm. especially with a new job, with a new thing, you get thrown into the middle and you have all Mm -hmm. these people coming to you to explain all the new things and you're just in the weeds just all the time. And so being able to kind of take a step out of it and see it from a different perspective, I think is also really important and gives us that long-term look at things. Whereas we might only be seeing today and tomorrow. It's good. It's really good. Yeah. So in your job now, I know you, you have the whole city of DC. And so a lot of different perspective need needed, right. Mm -hmm. For a lot of different things. Um, so are there any other things that you pull from, from being an athlete that help you kind of balance all the different plates that you have in the air. Yeah, I I shared this with you recently, Patricia, but I think one one thing that I have to constantly remind myself is that the goal of of life is not for it to be easy. Um, And so I I kid you not, I had this revelation in body pump. If you know body pump, love that um, fitness class. But I was like in this weightlifting class was years ago. And I felt like the Lord was like, the the goal of body pump is not for this to be easy. Not that you like come every week and you lift the same amount of weight and you just crank it out every week, right? Okay, I'm just going to do it faster. It's going to feel easier. No, the goal of weightlifting is that it feels just as hard, but that you're lifting more weight. And I think for, for, for me, it's like, man, why is this so hard sometimes? But the reality is, Jolie five years ago could not lift as much weight and it feels just as hard. And so I think that that even in principle for life is like, no, the goal of of life and walking in faith or even in your job is not for things to get easier. It's for you just to get stronger and it feels just as hard. 
And so I think constantly it's what you're saying about perspective to Patricia, like that's so important um, for me, one to like leave the city sometimes like physically leave the city because there is such a culture of hustle and hurry and just like high intensity. And it's like, you go, I go back to rural Illinois and it's like, oh, my job doesn't matter here. <laughs> like there, there is a slowness. There is just a, a, a different, a different perspective, a different pace. And even for me, getting out of the country is so important because it's like, Hey, there's stuff that exists that is so much more weighty than what we realize even day to day when I miss the Metro and I'm frustrated, right? Like there's, there's so much going on that I can be grateful for. Um, so I think that would be another significant thing. Yeah, no. And I think that's great. And that's important perspective because a lot of times we wonder why it's so hard. Well, because it's life. It's normal. It's actually a little more normal. Nobody likes to hear that though. I remember a couple of years ago, like when I was working in something and I was like, this is just hard. And my friend I was with was like, no, we don't want to call hard, you know, like, you know, we want to use a different word. I'm like, but it's just hard. Like, why are we using a different word? Like, I guess that's where I go with the words. I'm like, if it's hard then it's hard and we can do hard things. Like tell my kids that because it's true because it just is. And if we can do the hard things, it sets us up for success for when things do get hard again, because that's life. It's a roller coaster and, you know, we're going to have hard things to go through, but yeah. And I think uh, in that, in that realm, Becky, it's like, when I was in my first job, I was doing a lot of discerning, like, is this hard or toxic? And for people that are trying to, you know, even discern the difference, those are two really different things to say like, okay, this is hard and it's a season of things being hard and I need to press through, or this is actually a detriment to myself and the others around me. And I need to remove myself. And so I think that's even an important thing. It's like, yeah, am I injured? Am I hurt? Right. Do you need to take yourself out of the game? Cause like, this is going to be bad or do you just like are you tired and you need to push right so I think that's a really key thing even for me constantly do I need to take myself out or do I need to push forward Mm. yeah that's that's so true too lots of good stuff yeah well as you think about being a leader in your field um what does that what does that mean to you So I I think these two ideas of like innovation and creativity are really key when I think about leading and, and it's like this also tension of honoring what's been done, like always not needing to recreate the the wheel (laughs) and honoring the wisdom and things that have happened before you, but then saying like, well, what about this? And what about this? And I think that is what has has made me come alive as a leader is to be creative, but then also be with a lot of people who have done what I've done and say, okay, I hear how you failed or how you succeeded. Um, And constantly just, again, the adapting, the responding and the innovating. Yeah. So also as a female leader, what advice do you have for other women who are trying to lead well? Because I know we have this conversation every once in a while and just, you know, talking about how as a female leader, sometimes there are obstacles that we face and, you know, you can, sometimes you feel alone. And so, you know, what advice would you have for other female leaders? Yeah, especially, I mean, Patricia and I work in a primarily, I mean, an environment where there's a lot of men, right? It's sports and it's ministry. And so even like thinking specifically um, to that, but also I think this applies to a lot of women is, 
is like taking this idea of, of abundance rather than scarcity. And what I mean by that is um, I think sometimes when we want diversity at the table, a woman will be asked to be, will participate. And so I think it's easy to become territorial as like the female voice sometimes when you're a leader of, oh, I hold this. And so rather than making room for another female at the table, we just want to hold our seat. And so I think it's this idea of like finding women that have gone before you that you can learn from, but then also like making a lot of space for women that are coming with you and saying like, I want to learn from you, but I also want you to like be at the table with me because ultimately that, that is going to benefit everyone. And so I think it's really easy to be like, well, nope, I'm the, I'm the female voice here. Cause I, I have important things to say. And it's like, yes. And yes. And someone else does too. And so how can we as women create space and honor one another? I think that's what is tough too, is like, sometimes we are upset because other people are not honoring us, but are we honoring other women? You know, are we speaking highly of them um, and making space for them and, and just other people that we value? We, we, be, we, as women, I think, see a lot of perspectives and we need to leverage that. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. I love that concept of empowering other women. That's one thing that we talk about a lot here. We want to empower strong women and having strength is a lot about having perspective, right? It's that understanding that, you know what, it is hard today, but I'm stronger than I was yesterday. And so it's okay. And we talk a lot about our faith and trusting in God that he's going to be able to walk with us Mm -hmm. through whatever it is too. And I think that gives us a lot of strength, but that idea of empowering women and making room, like bringing them with us is, is awesome. I like that a lot. Yeah. When, when Jesus says, go and make disciples, the, the literal translation is as you go. So it's not like we need to do something new. It's just like, Hey, do what you're doing and bring someone with you as you do it. Yeah. 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 That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I have definitely gotten a lot out of this and I'll put good show notes in there for our listeners and so they can check it out as well. Um, But before we let you go, we need to hear something from your blooper reel. Yes, my favorite. My gosh, I I was wrestling. I have like these two stories and um, okay, I'll let let you guys pick. So the, the category is either vomit or underwear. What do you want? Ooh, they both, that's tough. I know. Go with vomit. All right. We'll go with okay. Vomit. Okay. I like it. So um, when I was in high school, like I said, running track um, indoors. So I, part of like my story for better or for worse is I had, I really wrestled with anxiety a lot through um, high school and even college, like performance anxiety specifically around competing. And so my freshman year of high school, I started throwing up before every race. It was like Pavlov's dog. I got to the point where I wouldn't even be nervous, but like my body would just respond and praise God through college. That is no longer a part of my story. But in freshman, sophomore year of high school, Jolie, I was running indoor track at Eastern Illinois University and in, in indoors, there's nowhere to throw up. Okay. And like outdoors, it's fine. Cross country track. So I, I am like warming up for this race and I, I know that it's going to happen. And I think it must've been pretty nasty outside because we were warming up inside. And I remember like, Oh no, it's going to happen. Like I'm going to, I'm going to puke. And so I start to run like towards the bathroom down this hallway. Well, down this one hallway specifically, it was all of these like four by one girls from like 
you know, Chicago and East St. Louis just staging, you know, for their four by one relay. And they're all just sitting in the hallway. And oh, I just take off down this hallway and I just throw up. I just throw up. And they're all probably like, look at this cross country girl just vomiting. Like she hasn't even done anything yet. And so, oh, I just, because there's no trash cans. Like since when, if I ever run any sort of track meet, put trash cans places, people. And so I just, you know, lost my cookies right down the hallway, had a nice audience and Uh um, made it, made it to the bathroom, no paper towels. I think I found some swimmers towel that some girl had left, you know, and (laughs) clean myself up. But um, yeah, we ran great. That was, that was it. But my, my pride was on the line. That's for sure. Oh my oh, gosh. Yikes. Yeah. That's definitely embarrassing. Yeah. Totally embarrassing. Oh. Oh. Thanks wow. for sharing though. Appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I feel like we need to have you on another time to be able to talk about that whole performance anxiety thing, because that's <laughs> oh, a whole geez. other topic. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Topic. Wow. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I love your perspective on things and And the idea too of, is this hard or is this toxic? Like, I think that's really good. And that's an important conversation to be able to have. Um, And also the idea of bringing people with you, right? Like you Mm -hmm. might be invited to have a seat at the table, but make room for other women as well. I love, I love that as well. You said everything, Patricia. Sorry. Thank you. (laughs) Very good. No, really. I echo that. It's very good in your perspective. And you are young. People don't know Jolie. She's a young leader. And we love that about women of all ages. You can lead. And I think that's amazing. You can lead when you're really old and you have a lot of wisdom from life or you can lead when you're young and you're on fire. Fire. Did I use it right? And um, and just really show the world that you're you're in it and you're in it for others. So I appreciate that you're a, a young uprising leader. We need you. Wow. Thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah. All right. Well, last thing we do is pass the ball because as we're talking about empowering other women, we want to celebrate other women as well. And so is there a woman in life who has inspired you that you would like to pass the ball to? Wow. A lot of inspiring women. I think today I will highlight my mom and just honor her. I think um, she's someone that, you know, I learned a lot from, and she's someone that brought me along to just everything and taught me how to pray well, how to love people well. And so um, today I will, I will honor my mom. She's I love that. We have a lot of, a lot of women actually do that. They, mm-hmm. they pass the ball to their mom. We'll have to do a whole thing. on moms. I did interview my mom. So you yeah. know, we, we did do that. So that's cool. Oh, good, moms. good job, mom. Good Yay. job. Cool. Well, thank you again for being on. I really appreciate you spending some time with us here today to share the lessons that you've learned as a leader um, and just as an athlete, the things that we learn, we get to be able to use as adults. And Mm -hmm. I think it's important to go back and reflect on those things. So perhaps some of our listeners have played sports in the past Mm -hmm. and have some lessons that they've learned that they don't even know that they're using. So going back and evaluating what lessons have I learned and how am I using them well and how am I leading well and being able to then learn from other people, right? Jolie may have learned some lessons that I didn't necessarily think about maybe learning as a, as a young athlete, but I can still take those concepts and apply them to life now. So I really appreciate that. And as always, life is a team sport and you are never alone. Mm-hmm.